0: Hey, let's uh, bow our heads and pray for our time together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your holy word. Uh, thank you for being able to sing about your goodness, to be able to sing with our children and and just enjoy you and laugh. Lord, thank you for the freedom that comes with uh, being your children. And thank you that um, that you've made a new humanity out of a bunch of evil, rebellious people. And Lord, we pray that... Uh, today even right now you would teach us a little more about what does it mean to be fully human in Christ uh, would you minister to us Jesus Would you allow your Holy Spirit to do uh, your redemptive work we pray that the Holy Spirit would bring glory to your name Jesus we pray that you would allow me by your grace to speak the oracles of Christ would you use me Lord would you graciously do that we all understand that without you Lord I'm just a uh, a clanging symbol But Lord we want to be a, a clear voice uh, To the people of God So they can walk with you deeply We love you, we pray that your Holy Spirit Would guide our time, fill it And you would be exalted In Jesus name, amen Be seated guys Let's go ahead and open your Bibles up And get ready to rock If you need a Bible you can go ahead and um, uh, Raise your hand And pastor is passing our Bibles right now I uh, would like to share as a local community uh, that we are reading through, going through the book of Acts, and we are uh, a body that exposits different books of the Bible. But our heart is to go through all the books, and then after we're done, to go through all the books again. So that's what we're about. We just want to know God's counsel. There's nothing sexy about it. We just kind of read the Bible, we're really excited about what we're learning in Acts. Um, and excited about continually moving on and, and seeing what God has in store for us. Uh, a couple of things as we uh, just give you a snapshot. We'd like to make sure that you can ask questions if they're um, beneficial to uh, the discussion. If, if you feel like it's something personal, come talk to me afterwards. Um, we also want to encourage you to, to get a Bible so that you can be looking in the scriptures. And if you need a Bible for your home, let us know. Um, it's very important for us for you to be diving into the text. We'll have the text up here for you. So that's no problem. Um, we are in chapter 18 of Acts. You can go online and catch up and, and see what the Lord has been doing as we've been going through the book of, of, of Acts, learning about God's people. Um, every once in a while, I'll kind of recap everything. I'm not going to do a ton of recap today uh, for the sake of time. Uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, hopefully, this will be an encouragement in itself. And then continue to come and hang out and, and get into the book with us. And I'll be recapping, and you'll hear about 50 times. And so, I trust trust me, you will I uh, know the recap of Acts pretty soon. But um, just in a nutshell, a couple of things I just want to remind us is that we are in a second missionary journey, that Paul has taken one journey. So basically, Paul, who was an enemy of God, becomes a Christian, realizes that Jesus is where life is found, he is the treasure. God gives him the grace to grab Christ as a treasure. Uh, he grows in his faith. He begins to take what he knew as a Pharisee and begins to add and understand what was going on and see that kind of be redeemed in Christ. And now he realizes all that was pointing to Jesus. He begins to preach the gospel. Um, his name from Saul changed Paul. He goes on his first missionary journey, uh, sees people come to Christ, experiences a lot of craziness, a lot of beat downs, right? Then he goes on the second missionary journey, experiences a lot of of grief as well. Uh, we're in the midst of his second uh, missionary journey, um, and what he's done. If you can go to the map. Um, He's actually going, if you notice, he, we started with. The, you have the red line. You start at the bottom of the line, uh, going north. Uh, he's take, that's the road he's been taking. And if you go all the way up to where you see the uh, Bith, uh, Bithynia, uh, he's going all the way to Troas. He's crossed uh, the waters over to Philippi, where you see the word Macedonia. And then uh, he's going to Maria, and then uh, Thessalonica, and down to Athen- Athens, uh, and that's where he was uh, last week when we were talking. So now um, he's moving over uh, to Corinth. So that's where we are today. So this man is trucking, uh, and we've seen the different heartaches and hardships that he's had uh, during these times. And and what I want you to do as we go through the text, and I was going to make a couple points, and then we're going to go home, actually. This, is a very, this text really ministered to me this week as I was uh, preparing um, in a very interesting way, more of a practical way. And one thing I want to ask you is when you're reading the Bible— I always ask you to put your first century Jewish glasses on. You can't come at it just like a, you know, a Detroiter. You got to first say, what was the author's intent, right, for the first century Jew? Uh, and then from there, again, that meaning, that interpretation, do we now allow us to understand how we can apply it to our life based on what the author's intent was for those people then and not for the people of God now. One thing that you can do a lot of times, though, when you're studying the scriptures, you can, you can forget to, to think about uh, the emotional part, you can forget to think about the fact uh, that these people weren't just theologians and writers of the scriptures, but these are, you know, men and women who had kids and they were daddies, right? And they were, they had jobs uh, and they, and they were just as, as nervous as you was about dying. They were just as nervous and scared as you are about people uh, not believing the best in you and, and, and misinterpreting your heart. Uh, they were just as insecure As as we are today. Uh, And so you have a huge emotional part. Think about it. We're here. We are in our community. We're neighboring. And we find ourselves nervous to share our faith to our neighbors. We find ourselves being super inconsistent about our ministry. Me and Sarah laugh. I mean, I'm the lead pastor of the church. And we'll go through months where we're like, have we ministered to an unbeliever? Right? Right? And we'll find ourselves... Going out and caring for people and, and having crazy relationships and, and getting kind of getting tired, right? And I think sometimes when we're reading the scriptures, we see doctrine, we see Paul doing this, we see Paul traveling there, we see Paul get hit with a brick and then he goes back in the next verse and he's preaching the gospel again. And you forget that the man is human. Right, Because the author is trying to communicate something, and sometimes you don't hear and get to see all the pain and the issues that come along with just being a missionary who wants to serve Jesus. But what I want us to do is when you're reading the scriptures, when you're reading the Bible, realize these are people in history. This stuff happened. right? And and, and that's why the scriptures tell you, even when you think of your struggle with sin and you're fighting for Jesus for him to be your treasure, the scriptures say, hey, there's nothing that you're going through right now that's uncommon to man right the reason why God does that cuz he wants you to know there is no such thing as super christians that everybody's going through the same struggles you got jealousy so does so do all of we you covet so does everybody right you struggle with gluttony so does everybody so we're all going through a journey we're all human and we all and praise the lord right we all need christ so it's very important to understand as we look at scriptures tim Mm. These aren't, just made up so, yeah, so Tim and Chris have had an opportunity to be in Corinth, right? And that has to do something, right? When you, if you're at the place, and you know, I had I had an opportunity to be at Tarsus, and I was just like, oh my goodness, like Paul was born here. This is crazy, you know. And it just does something to your journey when you remember this is not a comic book, right? <laughs> this stuff is real. So, so as you're reading the scriptures, that's just a Bible study method for you guys. Remember. Think about what's going on in the text, and also ask the Lord to give you the grace to think about what would I be feeling here as a person right now. We all got baggage, driven so don't be pouring your baggage in the text now. If you you know if you got some areas where you're weak and you know you find yourself like me being like a little more insecure than others, don't don't think Paul is just you know in a corner bawling all the time. Like don't get crazy, but but think about it. Normally, what what would I think if I was just a normal person in this scenario happened to me? Okay. And that'll help you as you're dealing with the theology and emotion, trying to figure out what was the heart of the author when we wrote this text. Okay, we won't get it right all the time, but let's just continue to do that hard work of trying to be a good theologian. Cool? Verse 1. So with that being said... We've seen, we've seen the craziness. He's been ministering. Things have been happening crazy. Uh, people, he's been thrown in jail. He's been beaten. Uh, he's, people are still coming to Christ. God has been gracious. He, moved, he goes to Athens, basically doesn't experience much ministry at all, right? Not a lot of success. In fact, the, the theologian would say, actually, it was a big dud, right? Not a lot of people come to Jesus. A couple of people come to Christ. No mention of, the, of a local church in Athens um, in antiquity, right? You talk a lot about Corinth. We talk about the area of... Um, um, uh, of, of Macedonia and Achaia, right there, you, usually the focus is Corinth. You don't hear anything about Athens. So, so, my point is, he goes, he's ministering, he's in the cultural hotbed, and people are smart and all this stuff, and man, this doesn't go out, it doesn't go well. You know, and Paul's a man. <laughs> right, so it doesn't go well. So now he goes over to Corinth. So, think about that. You're Paul. Now, we've been going through this book for about a year. Think of all that he's been through. Okay, it's probably been only a couple of days since he's been from Athens to Corinth. Okay, so from, Ath- from Athens into Berea, Thessalonica, you probably think in a few weeks or so. Okay, think about that. You're ministering. Okay, how would you be feeling? How would you be thinking right now? I think that speaks to this passage here, verse one. It says after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Right. So you talk about him leave, leaving this kind of this intellectual hub, which is where he was, about a sixty mile journey. Um, he continues continues uh, southwest and and he enters into an area uh, that at first was wasn't a, an awesome city, but then because of um, some things that are happening in Corinth, it becomes a very a very cool place. Right. First and foremost. Um, it's a great place to have a business, right? So Corinth is like a really bomb city at this point. Why, why is it a great place to have a business? It's because you have, you have two seaports, right? You have a couple seaports. And so now you have stuff's coming in and you got people who can grab it. And so you got great trade. So this is actually a cool place. So it's a very favorable uh, deal for Enterprise. you got seaports that makes it cool. Um, It has a reputation, though, right, of sexual license. A lot of crazy stuff going on uh, from the perspective of of sexuality. And this is crazy anyway. If you think of Greek history, antiquity, I mean, uh, very intense uh, sexual craziness um, in that world. And these guys were at kind of the the top of that, okay? Okay. What's well, exciting, though, is Paul looks at all this, and obviously he goes over there because he thinks this could be a very a very great place to share his faith, to evangelize, right? Because you got all this stuff going on. Man, this place needs the Lord. It's a dark place, but we're not going to run from it. We're going to go to it, and we're going to minister the gospel. So this is uh, where, he's, where he's going right now. And you guys have probably heard of Aphrodite. This is the whole, the whole god of Aphrodite. That was in Corinth. Okay, so what people did was in the daytime, they worshiped this a sexual guy, Aphrodite, which I'm still, I don't really get how you worship a sexual guy. It's kind of bizarre. They would do that. And in the night, many of these individuals would actually be prostitutes and they would go out and they would do their thing throughout the night. So it was a very intense place. A lot of crazy things are uh, celebrated. And that's why you get some of the stuff that Paul's talking about in Corinth uh, that's going on where he's kind of like, man, I can't believe you guys are doing some of the same things that these people are doing. You, You guys are are just doing crazy sins and I'm being more general just because our, our audience here but you go and do the background and you'll see uh, the sexual promiscuity that's happening so this is where we are okay guys well it says in verse 2 and he found a Jew named Aquila and a, na- a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy so he got a man named Aquila and his wife Priscilla um, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome and he went to see them uh, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade, which is really uh, the, the leather worker to be general. And so what would happen, uh, it was kind of seen as like not proper um, for a scribe or a rabbi or a teacher uh, to get the money uh, from that trade. So they would all have uh, a separate trade that they're doing. They have a separate job. And so I'm so glad uh, they changed this because. Because then I would have to have some other gigs. So uh, praise the Lord that that's not the case. But um, this is what um, this is one of the reasons why Paul um, had another had another job, and it was also to to allow people to be able to receive the gospel. And I feel like there was a hidden motivation or a hidden agenda uh, with the good news. So he goes, and obviously all of a sudden he's grabbing friends. He has a couple of friends. He, he, he grabs. He starts to do this tin-making thing here. Now, keep in mind, he's been running around for a long time. This is the first place where it talks about him at some level kind of staying put. Have you wondered why that is? Think about it. Verse 4 says, and he reasoned in the synagogue. So he's there in this place now. And now he reasoned, verse 4 says, in the synagogue every Sabbath. So every weekend he would go in and we'd talk to these individuals about, about Jesus and the resurrection and understanding that Christ is uh, the Messiah, uh, that they are desiring to, to have. And it says, and he tried and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks, those who were in there. Um, and he does, so he does the same thing he's done every other place. Nothing's changed really, right? This is what he's done. He's done every place we've been to. Right. He goes, he finds out where are the people who are kind of worshiping Yahweh. And he goes and he says, hey, I'm going to tell you guys about the fulfillment of what you've been reading, what you've been hanging out talking about for many years. And he does the same old faithfulness. He goes to a Jewish colony and he tries to proclaim the gospel to these individuals. It says in verse 5, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, so his crew he's been waiting for. Remember, these guys were still out. They were still up in the, uh, the northern part. He's going southwest. And now they've come to join him uh, because they stayed in that place in Thessalonica for a little bit. And so now they come to join him. And it says, Paul was occupied with the word. So they come and say, hey, Paul, what's going on? Paul's like, I'm busy. I'm proclaiming the gospel. He's occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. So they rejoin him, he gets his crew back together. In verse six, it says, And when they oppose and reviled him, so he gets his few people back, okay, and what happens? Same old, same old, right? He has another, right? He has some adversity. The scriptures say they reviled him, they opposed him. And verse six says, He shook off his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads, I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Now, we've seen these things happen a lot. I think this is one of the first times he starts saying this. Is that fair? Right? Where he kind of he responds to, like, well, forget y'all then. Right? <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere else, which is interesting to me. And it says in verse 7 and he left there and went to the house of a man named uh, T- uh, Titius or uh, Titus, Justice, a worshiper of God. Uh, His house was next door to the synagogue. So you had a guy who actually was a Greek guy. He wasn't a Jew. Uh, And that's why he says a worshiper of God. Uh, Just letting you know he was a, a, a Greek guy who wanted to walk with Jesus. Or basically he wanted to be a Jew. And his house was connected to the synagogue. Okay. And he goes over and he says, well, it seems like you, maybe you're hungry. And he kind of ministers to this guy. Now, what I love about this is this guy actually receives it. Verse 8, it says, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believe and were baptized. So Paul sees a convert happen in Corinthians. He's kind of excited. And now I want to get to the point where I, I wonder if the author put this here for a reason. Okay, verse 9. And then it says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking. And do not be silent, for I'm with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. So check that out. Okay, let me retell the story real quick. So I wanted to give you a brief little narrative. That's why I haven't stopped and paused in a lot of those verses. I want you to see the narrative. You got a man who's been proclaiming the gospel, he's been traveling. Goes to one place. He preaches the gospel. People say, I don't want to hear it. Right? He preaches to another group. A few of them come to faith. He gets thrown in jail at one point. He gets beaten down. In every place he's been, he's had people mocking him, being hard on him. The last place he went to, people didn't respond at all. I am convinced. But One of the main reasons why verse nine is here and why this passage is here is for a couple of reasons. First, I think Paul was tired. I've been meditating, thinking about why what, what's going on here. I wonder if Paul was tired. You know, in First Samuel, one of my favorite First Samuel is one of my favorite books of the Bible, and it says something so beautiful. I think it's in chapter thirty. Uh, you can check. You can check it out. Um, uh, David who's been running in the wilderness, doing his thing, right? Uh, he's really tired. He's weak. Uh, people chasing him, trying to kill him. And the scripture says something so, so interesting, and it used what they call the divine passive. It says, you know, you know, David was strengthened in the Lord. And the whole point there in that passage is that it, it sometimes it, the whole divine passive means that, 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 that somebody is doing something actually to you. Like usually, when you think of being strengthened in the Lord, it's like, I'm going to read my Bible and get strengthened in the Lord. I'm going to pray and get strengthened in the Lord. But the text the author wanted you to see in that passage, actually, David was so weak, he couldn't strengthen himself. That God supernaturally actually strengthened David in the Lord. And I look at this passage here, and I wonder, like, man, why would, why would Jesus at this point say, hey, you know what, I just want you to know. God's going to be with you. People aren't going to attack you. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay, Paul. Why the supernatural word? I mean, think about it. If I'm him, I would have loved this supernatural word maybe six months ago when the dude was hitting me with the bricks. Right? I would have loved for, 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 the, for Yahweh to say, no, no, no. Eric, I know they're going to hit you. It's going to hurt, but I'm with you. Don't worry about it. He didn't get a word there. Right. In fact, he had miracles throughout the beginning of his ministry. But think about it: when you get to Thessalonica, like specifically in Athens, no miracles. Nothing supernatural happened. Isn't that interesting? What would that do to you? Practically, if you take a poll in this room. Would that rock your faith at all? Would you struggle at all? Would you be like, "Man, Lord, like I'm trying to be faithful." What's going on, Father? What would I do to you guys? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When you read it now, when he says, he says, and I came to you, Corinthians, verse 3. You can turn your Bibles. He says, I came to you in fear and in much trembling, presenting to not know anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right? What do you think? That, see, when I read that apart from the history, I think that's just a really cool poetic saying. But when I realize that man is talking after he's been in a place where he hasn't experienced any ministry, he's been in places where he's gotten beaten down. He's all but he had a fight with some other Christians a while ago, and so they had to split up. And he's experienced all this stuff. I'm wondering when he says, "When I came to you, I came to you actually in fear and much trembling," he actually meant it. I wonder if it wasn't just poetry. I wonder if he's saying, man, I came to you guys, and I just came from Athens where I thought I had it going on. I was going to kind of match which with these guys, and it didn't work out. I'm wondering. What I do know is in verse 9, Jesus saw it fit for, for him to supernaturally remind Paul, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you. And I think, man, is this some kind of a practical joke? Because I wish I'd have got that word a couple months ago. Now, this can go two ways, guys. The way it went in history, Paul receives it. And then God uses him to see many people come to Christ, to see a church be raised, right? And he actually stays put for a year and a half, Which I'm proposing is, again, me thinking that sometimes Paul was saying, hey, I want you to just relax. I need you to spend some time and actually recoup. I need you to calm down and actually just kind of get some me time because it's been crazy for you. He spends a year and a half in Corinth. Now, we've, we've watched Paul. He hasn't spent, man, he's been bouncing around day after day for months. He spends a year and a half here. It, it could have, so it went that way, right? Ministry grew, people fell in love with Jesus. Uh, we'll talk a little more about that in a moment. It could have went another way. He could have got that word, right? And ministry still didn't go well, right? It got, he could have got the same word and people not come to Jesus, right? Uh, people, he not understand what, what's, what's happening here or the amount of people he thought would come to Christ didn't happen, Right. My point is that I think Paul really got what Jesus was trying to do. And, I, and this is where God was really ministering to me is that in this text, Jesus was trying to make clear, not that, hey, I'm going to be with you. And so all these great things are going to happen. But he was trying to make clear that no matter what happens, God is with you. That God is with you. That, that, that I'm with you. And you can't really determine with your expectation what that really means. But what you can know, Paul, I want you to know I'm with you. And I'm going to prove that in a moment too. Scott. Uh, so when he was in Corinth, was he like preaching in the synagogue on a weekly basis? Did we know? Do we not know? So, I mean, yeah. what level was he like? Well, you know, yeah, it says, in the, it says in the beginning that, yeah, at, weekly he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. So he was doing it on a weekly basis, going there and, and preaching the gospel and was kind of like, you know, and we're going to see him get a little backlash here for a moment. But, man, I, when I was reading this, I thought, man, I want to pause here um, and, and just ask our body as I go to the next point. So I think the first piece is that God could do this either way. He can give you a word and it can, it can happen the way you want it to happen or it can happen the way you were hoping it wouldn't happen. And God's point in that is that God is with you. And when I think of that, I just think, man, God is with MacAff. I think, man, Lord, okay, God is with us. And that's not determined by some external, you know, experience. But that the Lord, as we preach the gospel, that God is with us. But here's the second piece. And this is where I felt like, man, I just want to ask you guys to consider, as a a people of God, uh, sometimes God is gracious enough in his words to ask you to put the brakes on. And I look at this text, I look at a guy who's been hustling and working hard and trying to preach the gospel. And for some reason, in this passage, God gives him a supernatural word. That we we don't see much as he was preaching, right? We haven't seen it throughout his missionary journey. We also see Paul actually pause and kind of gets frustrated in the synagogue and say, hey, I'm going to just preach to the Gentiles, which we haven't seen much of. And then we also see Paul actually stay and be stable for a year and a half. Actually, five years. He only goes to Ephesus and Corinth for the next five years. Right after this passage. What's going on? Why do you think that's the case? Obviously, God wanted to do his thing. God wanted Ephesus to be a center hub. He wanted Corinth to be a center hub. But guys, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if God was being gracious to a human dude who was fighting hard. And he said, you know what? You need some time just to stay put. Experience ministry, experience some friendships, you know, you get Crispus. you get, you know, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and I want you to work and just kind of experience some normalcy in life, preach the gospel, and do you need to experience a little time where you can heal. And you guys know, I never take liberty with the text. But when I read this passage, I thought it was interesting to me that the author would allow a lot of things that usually doesn't happen to happen in this text. And then to see Paul's journey kind of shift a little bit. And I felt like the Lord was saying, Eric, tell Macav, be okay with being refreshed. I really felt like the Holy Spirit was like, tell this body. I was like, well, Lord, that's not what the text says. This is my battle. I felt like the Lord was giving me the grace to say, no, you need to tell the body, be okay with sometimes putting the brakes on. Be okay with sometimes having a routine. Be okay with sometimes making sure that you are okay enough to be about the mission. I love the fact that he he finally gets a predictable pattern here after a supernatural vision. See, I don't know what would have happened. I wonder if Paul would have preached the gospel, got mad because he didn't see a lot of fruit again, and go on to the next place. Because that's what we've seen. I wonder if it took God to say, no, I want you to stay here. There's a lot of ministry to be done. I want you to reach the people here. I want you to be okay with not going and reaching the whole world in two months and stay here. You need some friendships, homie. You, you need to just relax a little bit. I wonder. I wonder. What well, we do know the scriptures say in verse 11, he stayed there a year and six months. Which I propose again is the author letting you know that this wasn't a drive-by. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit saw it fit for him to stay. And again, he goes to Ephesus across the water. But that's where he kind of goes for the next five years. Interesting. So in my mind, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a ministry happen He's there, he does the exact same thing, he's kind of weary, but he's a faithful dude, so he's still doing it. He's proclaiming the gospel, and then God says, man, you're faithful, you're doing it. Hey, I just want you to know I'm with you, bro. You keep fighting, but I'm with you, and I need you to to just pop a squat here. I need you to take a sovereignty pill and a love pill, right? I'm sovereign, and I love you, and I love these people, and I want you to experience that. And I want you to ask yourselves in the local body, what does that look like for you in your journey? You know, is God telling, it's God working in your heart where he's like, man, I just want to remind you I'm sovereign. So he stays there. He says, he's teaching the word of God among them for a year and six months. Seeing people come to Christ. Consolidates his Christian witness to two places, which is unheard of. We've just been reading the scriptures over and over again. And we haven't seen that yet. And in verse 12 says, uh, but when Galileo." Um, was was pro-council of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul. Are you going, hold on, E? Didn't we just read in the last passage that Jesus said, no one's going to attack you? What's going on here, right? And brought on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. So I want to propose real quick that God is still being faithful here. God, in, in the text there, is not saying you will not be attacked, but the attack won't bring harm upon you. That's what he's saying. And I researched that to make sure I was right in the Greek. Like, okay, so what is, what, is, what is he saying here? That God was like, so people are going to still try and get you, but I'm going to protect you in the midst of it. Is the a point here. I saw a hand Sam. Yeah, so yeah, Crispus became a Christian, but that doesn't mean the rest of the Jews became a Christian. And so we, what we know is that Jews in this town, you usually had a synagogue, and that's where the Jews would go. So I'm assuming it's this group. But, um, and then they're, yes, Nate. Well, I was going to say he leaves because obviously I think he leaves because people are like, well, if you're talking about proclaiming Christ, he leaves. And then Sosthenes jumps, jumps in and that could have happened. Like before they grabbed him and brought him to the tribunal, or after. I'm glad you brought that up because it seems like maybe it was before and they talk about Sosthenes later, but that had already happened. Does that make sense, guys? So Sosthenes is, is a ruler of the synagogue after Christmas becomes a Christian, but we don't know if the, the Jews just already just started a, a coup and said, hey, we're going to bring you now, and then Sosthenes became, or if Sosthenes became the ruler, and then because of that, they beat up Sassanese, and then they say we want to bring this guy to the tribunal. What we do know is that they grabbed this guy, and this is huge, what happens here. So, so here's, what's, here, here's why this is important, and to show you guys sovereignty. So you can have an individual, have an in, like you can have people come up and say, we want to bring you to the civic authorities, which is what was happening before. That people were getting mad at Paul, and they were bringing him before the civic authorities, which means it's the people in that town. Okay, now that's different than bringing people to the Roman governor, because if you bring it to a civic authority, then they can kind of do something in that little town. You bring them to the Roman governor, then what he calls will happen for the whole province. Okay, And the whole province was that whole area with all those different cities. Okay, so if... If what would have happened if if these guys would have said we agree if Galileo, if Galileo would have said hey I'm in agreement with you this would have ended probably any major witness for the next decade at least right so this is a huge deal right here it's probably even more it's probably more of an intense attack than all the other ones but this isn't made personally this is on the issues of doctrine and Yahweh so it's interesting how God is like I want to chill you out. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to point the front of attack not to you but actually to me, right? So, so now it's like they're talking about there's a doctrinal issue, Jonathan. Uh, so, so Jonathan's asking if they go to the Roman government. Does Paul have special rights because he's a Roman citizen? Yes, but this is not about Paul specifically. This is about what Paul is proclaiming, uh, specifically that he's kind of basically they're saying we want to throw him out of Judaism. So, right, so, so, so that has had much to do with his personal right, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an issue between the Jewish people. And so, so here's the issue. So now he's got that encouragement. Uh, he's got that dream. All of a sudden this thing happens, and now he's like, okay, Lord, what, what's going on? Now, if they would have said that so the, the issue that was brought up was, hey, this guy is preaching something different than what we talk about in Judaism. They were saying, hey, this guy really isn't a Jew. He shouldn't be protected under the auspices of being a Jew. Because what was happening is that in the Roman governor in the Roman province, is that Judaism was protected under Roman law. And you could practice Judaism and you it would not be a crime. And so what Paul was trying to do, he was trying to minister under that. Hey, I am a Jew. I'm telling you the fulfillment of what's going on in Judaism. And so please keep that protection over us as well so we don't get in trouble. These people are saying, no, you're talking about Jesus. You are not a Jew anymore. we, We are not a part of this right, this sect here. We want to kick them out. Okay? So that's what's happening. This would have been huge. And then I love in verse 14, Um Ever had this happen? It says, but when Paul was about to open his mouth, you are about to open your mouth and then God had to shut you up? You ever had that happen? So Paul was about to start talking too quick, but God was gracious and it didn't happen. And then uh, Galileo said... To the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O oh Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. So he's like, hey, if this was something that was, like, interpersonal, we, we could deal with it. But, man, this is not about that. This is, this is verse 15. But since it is a matter of questions about words and your religion, basically, and names uh, and your own laws, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. Okay, so Paul's about to defend himself. Right. Still faithful, walking with the Lord by defending himself, has that vision. God says, you don't need to defend yourself. I'm already using uh, the unbeliever to accomplish my purposes. Uh, And then he says to the people, hey, no, these guys should still be protected under Roman law. They're still a part of your family. You guys hash it out, which is huge because this allows Paul to be able to preach the gospel uh, in that province for many years. And now you get to see the fruit of that in the future. So now, why is that important? Because Paul, I'm proposing, was a tired dude, and is a tired dude. God has to pause him and encourage his heart, and then He encourages his heart by showing His sovereignty and saying, "Guess what? These guys, I'm gonna, am I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of pave the way for you to be able to preach the gospel." I know you're working hard. What I want to do, I want to remind you that this is my thing and that I'm growing the church, that I want people to come to Christ. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hook things up where these guys are going to try and bring you to the, the Roman governor and try to tell you, and we're going to actually use that to give you security to preach the gospel in a province. I just love the grace and the sovereignty that we keep seeing in the scriptures about Jesus. Unbelievable. So, the outcome is he is able to preach the gospel and go to Ephesus and Corinth. And yet he has to argue with the Jews here and there, uh, but we see great fruit because of this. What's our application? What does the, the author want people to do with this text here? What do you do with this text, family? I want to pause and say, when I look at this text, I, again, I, I, I go, man, you know what? God wants to remind me something, that God is with Macab. Is that, you know, I look at this and I go, Paul is running around crazy and he's being faithful and he's seeing God do supernatural things. He, he experiences these droughts, though. He experiences pain and drama. And if for some reason, Paul gets to retell the story of Jesus and Joshua where Yahweh says, I'm with you. I want, I want to remind you while you're doing this. I'm with you. So go ahead and preach and teach and do your thing. And for our body, I just want to say, man, as we walk around, as we as we proclaim the gospel, I just want you to know that God is with us, guys. That you're not doing this in your own strength. God wants to remind you and me that we're not building a church. God is doing this thing in us. That God is with you. And if God is with you. He wants to guide your steps. And so my prayer for our body is that we would learn how to let Jesus guide our steps. My prayer for us, guys, is that we would learn how and when and we would be walking with the Lord and we can say, Holy Spirit, right now I'm okay with my ministry looking different than this person. I'm okay with putting the brakes on right now. I'm okay with maybe God is convicting you that you're not doing anything and that you have lived in the flesh for so long and God wants you to yield in the spirit. He wants you to to take those risks and be neighboring and doing the things he's called you to do. But some of us, I watch us and I wonder, man, are they ministering out of grace? Or is there a pressure that comes with with, with wanting to see God exalted, wanting to be a part of this local body, wanting to move hard, and you find yourself just burning at both ends, and I just I wonder sometimes that you just need Paul, you just need a, a word like that where God just has to say, "Hey, I I got this. I'm for you. I'm going to preach the gospel. You're going to be okay." And finally, I just love how it just seems that man that ministry to Paul that time God just needed to fill his tank. Again, the text doesn't say it at all. But man, it's so interesting that he would go there with all of those issues, all of that journey behind him. And I'm convinced, myself and many of you, we probably couldn't have handled two of the scenarios that Paul was a part of. We probably would have <laughs> packed our tail in and said, "Up, No, I'm just going to make tents. That's okay. You know, no, I'm okay. I'm just going to get a full time gig and just hang out. But the reason why I say that is if that would have been us with 20% of what had happened to him, what do you think he was feeling? What do you think? When someone throws you in a boat because some people are trying to kill you. And this was only a couple of weeks where you were laid out for dead, unconscious. I wonder if Jesus was pausing with this man and saying, we're going to stop for one chapter, all in excitement, Macav, and we're going to pause. And I want you to see me just feel somebody's tank. I want you to see me feel Paul's tank and say, hey, here's some other tent making buddies. Let's make some tents. Let's preach the gospel in a place. Let's be faithful and preach the gospel and just be here. Just travel, but not too far. Do our thing. And I'm with you. And then I'm going to allow these guys to tell on you, but then actually that's going to actually give you a, a beautiful role to preach the gospel in. I think we've won. If you leave here today and you say, man, I want, I want to remember God is with me. And that Jesus fills my tank. That he guides my steps. I think we'll win. If we take a pause, just like happened in chapter 8. And we just hear Jesus saying, I'm with you. Tithe and offering. We're going to do that. Um, we are gonna do tithe and offering. And then also we're going to do uh, communion. Think about that, guys, as you're worshiping God, as you're taking tithe. I want you to think, think about it in your mad groups, in your relationships. Think about the beauty of this passage. God's church continually growing. And him changing the tune of Paul for a moment. What we're going to do as a local body, guys, we're going to um, take our tithe and offering. We do this as a local body.